Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Got a jam-packed show today. We have to talk about Anthony Richardson. The Vikings met with quarterback Anthony Richardson. Does this mean that they're looking for the future quarterback to follow up after Kirk Cousins moves on? And we have to talk about a quarterback in the NFC now that's going to force the hand of Aaron Rodgers. There's a quarterback that finally found a home. And that takes one more spot away from Aaron Rodgers where he can potentially go, which we knew it wasn't going to be an NFC anyway, most likely. But that kind of solidifies what two teams have to do. And then we're going to have Karan Riley join us later in the Hangover Ron Johnson segment in the Daily Three. And we have to talk about that. But of course, Iowa, really quick, we're going to hit on it. Racism, $4 million. What happened there? Coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I am your host, Ron Johnson. As I said, we have Karan Riley joining us, former gopher, current actor, also Chicago Bear. He's going to join us in the Hang on Ron Johnson segment. But at the top of the show, we have to hit on a couple key topics. As I said, Derek Carr has found a home. What does that do for Aaron Rodgers? And the Iowa Hawkeyes. What's going to happen with recruiting now? If I'm a kid and I'm choosing between Iowa and Minnesota, what am I going to do? But remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. And you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your Amazon Fire and Roku TV devices. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota in the apps. Download it. Be right there on your TV you get all your show, get all of our videos, all of our shows. Well, as I bring Sam Exterman to the show, my producer, Sam. Uh, first off, Derek Carr, he is now a Saint. He's gone to the New Orleans Saints. So one, that's a team the Vikings fans hate. So now we got to deal with Derek Carr. And I saw a crazy uh, stat. The New Orleans Saints haven't spent a first or second round pick on a quarterback since Archie Manning. That Whoa. is bonkers. Since Archie Manning, they have not picked a first or second round quarterback in the NFL draft since Archie Manning, and it continues because now they have Derek Carr for the next four years. Now, unless they say, okay, we have Derek Carr for four years, let's let's do the Green Bay Packers move like when they got Aaron Rodgers, and maybe they draft a quarterback as well at some point, and they say, hey, this guy can sit behind Derek Carr because they have, again, four years. Now, again, uh, barring health and make sure nothing happens to Derek Carr, but they have four years. Now Michael Thomas, because of the signing of Derek uh, Carr, sounds like Michael Thomas wants to come back and be a Saint now because, again, playing for Jameis Winston, uh, playing for the Red Rocket, Red Rifle, whatever uh, Dalton calls himself, uh, you know, that just wasn't enticing to Michael. And also, Michael Thomas hasn't been healthy. But maybe, maybe because he didn't have an incentive to come back and play a little bit banged up. And now he has a quarterback in Derek Carr. sounds like – He's trying to figure out a way back into the Saints organization uh, and into their good graces because he has a guy that can give him the ball when you look at what Derek Carr's done. 
But here's where I go with this, Sam. A lot of people are saying the Jets and Derek Carr's camp, everybody kind of said, you know what, let's take this Saints deal because the Jets seem to really think they're going to land Aaron Rodgers. And the Saints also said, why would we even go after Aaron Rodgers and then be right back in this position in a year or two? They feel like Derek Carr has a good four, maybe six years left in that body. But Eric, Derek, or Aaron Rodgers now, it's really just the Raiders or the Jets or the Packers. And he made a comment today on a podcast or yesterday or something this week. He said, if you don't like it, you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva, then just tune it out. That was Aaron Rodgers. He also said, that's fine, but this is my life. It's important to me. I'll make a decision soon enough. And then he said, we'll go down that road and I'll be really excited about it. So Aaron Rodgers basically is just saying, look, I don't care what y'all think about me. I see y'all talking about me every day. I'm going to do me. And I, and I applaud him for that because a lot of people would succumb to the pressure and try to hurry up and make a decision uh, like LeBron James, you know, going to the Miami Heat and let, let me hurry up and get this out the way. Aaron Rodgers is like, screw y'all. If you don't like me, tune it out. Like, I'm going to be me. I got enough money to retire, but maybe I do want to play. If you don't want to be a part of this, leave me alone. What are your thoughts on that, Sam? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers is turning more into Brett Favre every day, just with the way <laughs> and not not to get into Brett Favre's Mississippi legal stuff, um, but just the waffling, you know, the the day in, day out, wondering what's he going to do. He's dragged it now two months after the season. He said he wasn't going to drag his feet, but he kind of seems to be doing that. I, I think that, and if he goes to the Jets, then he really is turning into Brett Favre. And then you got to watch <laughs> out for the Vikings. I mean, then, then it's Kirk Cousins' contract runs out. Then Aaron Rodgers comes in and has a career year. Um, I think that New York makes a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers. I think he likes the limelight. Um, I think that with what their defense offers, uh, Robert Sala, I think, is a head coach that would that would do well with them. I think the Jets make sense for Rodgers. It sounds like, from what I'm hearing, Ron, it sounds like Green Bay doesn't want him back. It sounds like he, they're telling people that they're they're done with him. They'd like him to move on. Um, so that seems like it's either retirement or uh, play in New York or play in Las Vegas. I don't know if he's going back to Green Bay at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him going back to Green Bay. Uh, it, it seemed like his comments today. I mean, I'm watching everybody talk about it. Ryan Clark and Dominique Foxworth are just talking about it. And when you look at those comments, uh, it just doesn't feel like he cares. Like, and it doesn't feel like the Packers are happy with him. You know, they're like, look, dude, you're literally putting our laundry out for the world to see how like petty you can be, how impatient you think we're trying to say. Like the Packers haven't said one thing besides like, Hey, when are you going to make this decision? Because we have a big decision coming up in the draft as well. Do we stay with Jordan Love and is this our future? Or do we go try to get Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else? Because Jimmy Garoppolo is another quarterback the Jets could get. Uh, when you think about Drew Garoppolo could go to the Raiders. My guess is the 49ers would rather have him in the AFC as well. So I could see the Jets saying, look, well, we can have Garoppolo a lot longer than we can have Rodgers. Um, but can Garoppolo, like Garoppolo was a system quarterback with the 49ers. You clearly see... Uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense can put anybody in there. 
that can throw a ball and he can be successful when you see Brock Purdy, nothing against Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy come in and run that offense the way he did. Jimmy Garoppolo did it. Trey Lance. We keep forgetting about Trey Lance still has to find a, like, where does he end up? Does he stay with the 49ers? Do they try to trade him for draft capital? Uh, does Trey Lance come to Minnesota? He is a hometown kid. Could he be Kirk Cousins backup? I know that's been conversation. Uh, but the Vikings, and, and let's talk about this quick before we jump over to Karan Riley. Karan Riley is going to join us in the Hangover Ron Johnson segment. The Vikings have a decision as well. Like, do they have a predecessor for Kirk Cousins? And when you think about Anthony Richardson, you think about Will Levis out of Kentucky, uh, the Vikings have met with those two young men. Uh, Anthony Richardson, to me, is Cam Newton 2.0. Like, he hasn't had as much on-the-field success because he's young. But when you think about the body of work, you think about the size, the speed, uh, he does everything Kirk Cousins doesn't, which is he can create a secondary play after the play. He can be your quote-unquote Philadelphia Eagles quarterback to QB sneak and get you three yards. Like he's that strong, he's that big, he's that fast, uh, that if he gets out the pocket, you're not going to stop him with a defensive end or a linebacker other other than Fred Warner. Like I don't think any other linebacker is running that fast that can keep up with him or the DN from uh, from Georgia that ran a 4-3-9. Like there, there's not a lot of guys out there that are going to keep up with a quarterback running 4-4. And so when you think about that and his size, 6'4", like he's just as big as Cam Newton and faster. Now, on the field, Cam Newton was a, was a was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was a national champion. He was the best player in college football. Um, that That's the big difference. Anthony Richardson didn't do that. But if I'm Kevin O'Connell and I look at my offense and I have Justin Jefferson, I probably have Adam Thielen coming back. It sounds like Adam Thielen did say, uh, we know we had him on the show, but Adam Thielen did say, uh, I am trying to to redo this contract. We're gonna get Blake Barrett on Kirk Cuz or uh, uh, um, Adam Thielen's agent. He's gonna come on at some point. So we'll you know probably won't talk about Adam Thielen's contract, but we'll definitely talk to him about contract negotiations and and what goes on with that. But when you think about this, Anthony Richardson over Will Levis. Will Levis to me, and, and nothing against the kid. He has a strong arm. He sounds super confident. I heard him on on uh, the radio with NBC uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday. Uh, and he just said, you know, with my arm talent, I can do X, Y, and Z. So really confident kid. But he reminds me of a taller, bigger Baker Mayfield. Like he just seems too confident. Like at what point do you realize like you haven't done anything yet? But I get it. You got to show confidence to these scouts. You got to show that I can be a leader of a team. But Anthony Richardson, me, I, I just feel like one thing is going to happen. One or two things. He's either going to go really, really high because everybody's thinking the same thing. Like this kid could be the next great quarterback or he's going to fall to the Vikings at 23 and they're going to have a tough decision to make because do you go get cornerback? Is is a Caleb Evans, is he healthy? Because we know his was just concussions and he had to stay off the field for his third concussion this season. But, you know, I said it when they drafted him on Vikings.com. When they drafted a Caleb Evans, I said this kid is 6'4". With his wingspan and his makeup ability, if he's one yard behind a receiver, he's not beat because his arms are so long. And we saw that until he got hurt. And so you have him and Cam Dantzler, two long stream being type of cornerbacks that Brian Flores can use in this man, aggressive man, too, that he wants to run, where he's going to rock and roll these safeties in the box. He's going to go after the quarterback. You got Brian Asamoah, probably going to be the quote unquote, you know, Eric Kendrick's predecessor early on. Uh, he still hasn't even told us if he's going to run a 4-3 or 3-4. Probably he's going to be a 4-3 look with Zadarius being the TJ Watt in a 3-4 look where you have an over and under front decided by the linebackers. And so I think this is going to be the key for the team, though. But when you go back to Anthony Richardson, if they take him in the first round, 
Like there's still enough cornerbacks, I feel like, in the second round, third round, that they can get some guys to come fill in. Andrew Booth Jr., their 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 early pick last year. We don't know what they have in him. So Sam, I don't know. What do you think? They met with the quarterback. Do you think they draft quarterback, or do you think this is just uh, doing their due diligence to meet with quarterbacks just in case? I think Richardson had too good of a combine. He's going to go too high now. I think that they would have to trade so much to go up and get him. I don't know if it's worth it at that point. You're talking three first-round picks, I think. I think he's going top 10. Will Levis, I mean, some people were mocking him number one overall like a while back i don't know if that's the case anymore but again that seems like a guy that you're going to need to go up and get if you want somebody i just don't know if the vikings are in a position to do that um maybe maybe you say it's always worth it to trade your Mm -hmm. assets and go get a qb but they would have to give up a lot um to get one of these guys i think that you're right they they have to you know make sure that their their eyes are dotted their t's are crossed they know uh what the situations are around these quarterbacks but I don't know if it's realistic. I mean, I think the Vikings are in, are in a spot where they should trade back, try to get extra picks, try to get a second round pick, which they don't have, and uh, bolster that defense. But when it comes down to a franchise quarterback, sometimes you make big sacrifices. Yeah, going into the draft with four picks, that's not idea. Eric Kendricks, as we talked about yesterday, uh, also did a piece for Vikings.com. Go to Vikings.com to check that out. Uh, but we just did kind of a farewell to Eric Kendricks. One last one before we got Corral Riley. Uh, he's about to jump on. But, Sam, I saw some funny tweets, too. The Vikings tweeted it out, so you know that's going to get millions of views. Uh, my video, myself, Ben Lieber, and uh, Pete Bursage. And people are just like, oh, these guys are just saying it because they get paid to do it. Oh, they're Kirk Cousins. Stan- like, shut up. Of course we're getting paid to do this. Like, why would we do that for free? But at the same time, my, my statements were true. In 2015, Vikings Game Day Live was created. Myself, Hobie Artigue, we did it from scratch at, at the studio. Uh, the Vikings in, in U.S. Bank Stadium was built in 2016, and the show like became ridiculously like great because TCF Bank Stadium at the time, now Huntington Bank Stadium, wasn't a great location in December and January outside. I mean, we did our show from the studio because it was what? What was that game with against the Seahawks? Negative eight degrees or something like that? Or yeah. Like, and, and we're not gonna talk about Blair Wash. This is not a kicker show. We're not gonna go back into the kicker. This is, it's off season now. We're not talking kickers. But yeah, like and and so I saw Eric Kendricks get drafted. I watched Eric Kendricks for eight straight years every single week. He came on our show. Like, I love the kid, uh, you know, got a chance to talk to him and his wife, you know, or before, she wasn't his wife yet, but now his wife. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, yeah, it is, you do truly are going to miss guys like that because you watch them grow the entire way. I told Adam Thielen the same thing uh, when he was on our show, you know, Adam Thielen, same thing. He was right the year before, like he was 14, I think. And so watching Adam Thielen grow at U.S. Banks or TCF Bank and, and blocking, you know, punts and now you know, nine years in the league, you know, I've been this whole journey. I've been there with him. Stefan Dix, another one. I mean, we lost him already, but you know, he was there our first year doing the show. So uh, we do say it because we get paid. Of course, come on now, but you do truly like are going to miss guys like that. And at the end of the day, we do support Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins is one of the top four to five quarterbacks. He, they just national radio just said this. Um, If Kirk Cousins like ran more, and maybe made jokes and maybe talked a little bit more to the media, he would be a top five quarterback, no question, because people would love the persona. He's just not that guy. He disappears away from the media when the season ends. He's not that guy. But the Vikings have a decision to make. We know that. The first domino is Eric Kendricks. He's fallen. Uh, You got Dalvin Cook. You got uh, Daniil Hunter. You got Harrison Smith. You got Adam Thielen. Those four veterans, they're going to have to figure out contracts, who, who goes, who stays. 
But well, coming up next, we got Karan Riley joining us in the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. And he is going to talk to us. I mean, he's been a part of the Penn State win. He's been a part of the Ohio State win, those big wins in Minnesota. So you're going to want to make sure you stick around for that. But remember, Locked On Sports Minnesota is a proud partner with Care 11. Just check out care11.com backslash locked on for links to every one of our Locked On shows. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. It's FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's where you go to get started. Get your no sweat first bet if you're a new customer. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It's at the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, super easy to use. Bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Uh, and you can stack your bets up creatively with the same game parlays, chance at a bigger payout. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Locked On. Get your no sweat first bet at fanduel.com slash locked on up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets. Make every moment moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner as well of the NBA. We're now in the Hanging Around Johnson segment. I got my boy, my brother, my cousin, Karan Riley. Karan Riley and I uh, went to high school together. Uh, he went to SMU. So I stayed at Martin Luther King High School in Detroit for a little bit longer. Uh, then I decided to go to the University of Minnesota. On my recruiting trip, Karan Riley was there transferring from SMU. We both ended up going to Minnesota and completely turned the program around. Uh, went from like my freshman year, I think five and six, to the next year going eight and three. Uh, we beat Penn State. The next year we turned around and beat Ohio State. And uh, it was kind of what it was. And then all of a sudden, Glenn Mason was able to recruit guys like Marion Barber, Lawrence Maroney, uh, Eric Decker. All those guys start coming to Minnesota. Uh, and then it is what it is now. We got to roll the boat. You got, got you know, seasons of 10 wins between Jerry Kill and P.J. Fleck, both uh, having 10 win seasons. So it, it's grown. But I, I remember those days of being five and six and then watching the wins come of beating Penn State. So I want to thank Karan Riley for joining me. Karan also went on to uh, be a draft pick of the Chicago Bears, played for the uh, Falcons. And now, I mean, if you have not seen like a Tyler Perry show or movie, uh, Tubi movies, whatever, Karan Riley is now a full-time actor. Uh, and I'm just, you know, proud of everything. I see Karan doing stuff all the time, so I'm proud of him. And he continues to pass the message. So there's a message I definitely want to hit on because we talked about it early with the Iowa Hawkeyes. I want to get Karan's thoughts on this because I know Karan is, 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 is uh, his black is beautiful. I'll say that. Karan is, Karan is that guy. Uh, but Karan, man, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show, man. Jumping out there, uh, when, when you think about your life after football, you know, you went into acting. Uh, how was that transition, and was that always something that you knew you would do? Yeah, man, Ron, you 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 already know, bro. I've I've been wanting to act since probably first grade before I even wanted to do sports. So for me, the transition to to acting after football was pretty easy, um, in a sense that I knew where I was going. Now let's let me be clear and back up. It wasn't an easy transition, just as far as you know. I went from making what I did playing football to now I'm a beginner actor in in the game. Where now I got to do a lot of free stuff, a lot of. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm able to take care of my family and take care of myself just through acting itself. And I've been doing it now 15 years. I've been doing it longer than I ever played any sport. So um, it's, it's been a grind. It's been a, it's been a journey. I, I don't say grind because grind would entail that it hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fulfilling and it's not something I love. So, so it's been a journey and I've been very lucky, um, very blessed to um, have had the success I've had already at this point I, I got over almost 80 credits as an actor um in in the 15 years and that's nothing to slouch at i'll probably crack into 100 in the next you know in the next year or so which is a, is a huge milestone for any actor 
to um, have 100 credits on their belt and it's going to keep going up. But yeah, man, it was it was a transition that I had to make. And you you and I both know that if you know where you're going, it's, it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other and just keep pedaling until you get there. Yeah, man. And talk about that. You you went to, uh, you know, talking about knowing the next step. You went to SMU, uh, didn't feel like that was the best place for you to be, uh, ended up getting recruited by Minnesota, chose Minnesota, ended up being one of the best defensive ends ever in, in Gophers history. Um, and when you look at that, you know, even that decision, not staying at SMU, uh, because coming from where we come from in Detroit, a lot of times it's like, man, you just got to you got to be a man about it and stick it out. Uh, but, you know, you felt like and, and again, I remember your dad being there on your recruiting trip. You felt like, you know what, there's something else out there. And yourself, Jack Brewer as well, both transferred from SMU and, and Tellus Redmond, Jack's cousin, came to Minnesota. Uh, you know, going through that transfer process, how tough was that? Again, man, once you see the vision for yourself, man, it, it clears up all of the noise, right? And SMU to me was a stop, was a, was a part of the journey that I saw. I saw myself playing pro football um, very, very clearly in my journey, which is why I switched from basketball to football. You know, basketball is my first love, but football was, was something like kind of a guarantee in my mind as far as getting to play at the next level. So for me, SMU didn't work out because the coaches got, got fired after my freshman year and new coaches came in. And, and it, it was clear that they didn't have the same vision for my future that I had for my future. So my father and I and my family, we got together and, you know, Minnesota really didn't recruit me as, as, a, as a more of I recruited them. I, you know, I put my tape out and found out that they, you know, they were looking for, you know, some players and. Um, I met with, you know, Glenn Mason at the time and came up and on a recruiting visit when, you know, you you pulled up on your recruiting visit. And it was kind of um, uh, a synchronicity there that I couldn't I couldn't ignore and, you know, being rejoined with you to play again. Like we did. We had so much success and fun in high school playing together. And, um, you know, uh, Jack, I brought Jack with me. Tell us end up coming. You know, we, you and I and, and that and that whole movement is is is, is can kind of be maybe pinpointed to the turnaround of Minnesota in in, in, a, in a real aspect if you really want to look at it and not be you know not have any humility about it I mean we really could look at that that trip in that mm -hmm. moment of you deciding to come me deciding I was already there at that point and you know Jack and, and Tellus and all those, and the talent that started coming into Minnesota it started in, in, in on that trip man so I, I kind of think we kind of responsible for the whole wave of Minnesota like you know that stadium <laughs> I always joke about yo Hey, we, we put some bricks in that stadium they built. So I, I'm, I'm proud of that. And, and it's always a, a, something that we can that we did that together, you know. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I, I Glenn Mason's been on the show. We've had Glenn on the show and he even talked about it. Uh, he talked about that recruiting trip when he came to Detroit. Uh, I was kind of lock, stock and barrel. I thought I was going to Penn State or uh, or, or Michigan. Like, I, I just like that. That's where I want to go. And then Michigan. Kind of, we had Javen Hunter just on in Michigan. Javen Hunter both were out in the same boat where Michigan got David Trail and Marquise Walker in the same week. And other receivers kind of like, I don't know if that's the place for us. And then, you know, Michigan or sorry, um, Penn State, you know, when you look at when they said, hey, we want you to play safety. And I'm like, yeah, my dad played corner. I'm not a safety. And I was kind of done with them. And then Glenn Mason came in at the right time. Uh, and so when I had a chance to take a trip, I took it and I had no idea. You were going to be there. I think maybe Mason might have known because I know they kind of told me when I got off the plane, like, hey, we got a surprise for you, uh, which I thought it was Dr. J. For those that don't know, Karan's dad uh, looked like Dr. J. And so I'm like, man, they pulling out all the stops. They got Dr. J here to meet me. And then I got closer and I'm like, oh, wait, that's 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 Mr. Riley. Like, And then Karan comes around the corner with his little smile and, you know, smallsy look. And 
you know, and then, you know, we had a great recruiting trip. Uh, I think that was the first time I ever had an alcoholic drink, um, you know, so, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, we grew up together. Like we, we, you know, since I was 13, 14, and then now moved on and, you know, still in each other's lives. And so I appreciate you, man. But, uh, you know, again, you, you talked about the change when we got to Penn state, they were number two in the country. And I've talked to LeVar Arrington about this. We've had Spice Adams on a bunch of times. He's talked about this. Uh, nobody gave us a chance. But you wrote something on your tape that day that's still on a big picture at the University of Minnesota uh, to kind of get yourself in a mindset that you're about to go off. And, uh, yeah, we went to Penn State, and, and, and it happened. Like, we, we got to the quarterback. We had some big plays, some big touchdowns, and, of course, the Hail Mary and then the kick. Uh, but when you think about that Penn State day, man, nobody gave us a chance. Nobody thought – you know, you would outshine uh, LeVar Arrington and, and his boy, Courtney Brown, but Minnesota's defense had a better day than their defense did. Uh, you know, what do you remember about that day? Man, I, I remember that day, man. We, I remember how hostile the environment was when we came out the locker room and they were right there and all the fans was yelling at us and everything. And, and, <laughs> and, and really, truth be told, for you and I, that was that's what we were, you know, that, that kind of environment was cool for us because, you know, we – we went to, to a Kettering and had Rockstone at the bus. We went oh, yeah. to a, a, a angry cast tech. So we were used to playing in, in hostile environments just growing up in Detroit, period, right? Every game was hostile, really, at right. the end of the day. They used to tell us famously, like, when we all get on the bus, leave your helmets on until we oh, yeah. get, you know, out of there. So that was our life. So for us, we were in familiar territory, for you know, just me and you both personally as, as players. And – you said nobody gave us a chance, but what's funny is Joe Paterno at the time, rest his soul, he um he had actually told his team. He 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 literally told his team and he told us a lot of guys, like, yo, guys, because at that time they were number two looking for the national championship. Remember, they were in the hunt for oh, yeah. the national championship. So Joe Pa was like, Look, man, don't don't look past this Minnesota squad. They got a lot of talent, they playing really, really well. And I think everybody listened except for the team, their team, because we came out, bro, and I, I got to say, man, yeah, we had an amazing day on defense and an amazing day on offense led by you on offense. And uh, Luke Leverson had a great day. You had an amazing day. Um, of course, I had, what, two two big sacks in that game um, that really that really, that really had some big stops incorporated with it. And, and like I said, man, we went in there, and that whole season, bro, it was us against the world because – that was really the first real season that we had started getting expectations on us as, as a team to actually go and win some games. And I was, I was really happy that it worked out that way because man, we had talked a lot of junk in between us as, as a team and as a unit that I was so happy for it to be backed up with our play on the field. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting down with Karan Raleigh, former gopher, former Chicago bear, Atlanta uh, Falcon, and also uh, actor. And so Karan Riley, I want to ask you this one, man, because I know you and David Banner, I've seen a lot of the stuff you guys do. Um, you know, I always like to, you know, every time I see him post something and you're in it, I always make sure I either retweet it or share it or, you know, comment. Uh, when, when you look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, and you might not know this story yet, but it just hit today uh, or this week, Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, and we know from 2020, 2021, because one of the Vikings players was an Iowa Hawkeye. He tweeted and then deleted the tweet, of course, um, back when the Vikings were having their issues. But the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, had some issues with their strength coach, racist comments, uh, stuff said to black players during workouts. And we know during workouts, man, it gets tough. Coaches try to find whatever to motivate you. But some of the stuff he said was completely out of pocket, went too far. Head coach Kirk Ferentz uh, acted as if he didn't know that was going on, which he probably did. Uh, Iowa has settled 
for four million dollars with the players involved in this uh racist uh not just incident couple of incidents uh within their organization kirk fans did not lose his job he was under investigation but that was it they said all right we'll settle for four million dollars if you're an african-american athlete right now coming out of detroit because we know there are some detroit kids that go to iowa desmond king went to iowa uh fred rogers went to iowa there's a lot of guys or not fred rogers sorry fred russell uh running back out of romulus went to iowa uh, if you had to choose between Iowa and Minnesota, and of course Wisconsin, because Luke Fickle, they just got Amari uh, Snowden out of uh, out of um, Roseville, six-four uh, safety. I mean, he's going to be really good in college. But would you like with that? If you're especially being a parent, even would you even look at Iowa, or would you kind of say, "Look, I get it. You guys settled this racism deal, but I don't feel like you handled the racism because you're acting like it didn't happen." Where would you stand on that as a parent or a recruit? Man, you know where I was standing on it, man. You know, they can call me young Malcolm X. So for me, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am unapologetic about, um, you know, where we come from and who we are as people and the, our culture. So for me, um, out of the three you just named, I'm definitely going to Minnesota every time, out of hands down, out of those three uh, demographics in the, in the country culturally, right? Um, we know Iowa, the state itself is predominantly white. It's just a, a predominantly Caucasian American uh, state. Okay, it is what it is. Um, even when we played there, we could feel the whiteness there when we were there playing, right? Um, and it's it's not surprising that this is happening in Iowa to me. Um, it, it wouldn't be surprising if it happened in Wisconsin to me. Um, it may be a little bit more surprising if this happened in a place like Minnesota, because you and I both know you live there now. Minnesota has always been a little bit more culturally um, aware or not even necessarily culturally aware, but just lack, I think, uh, a little bit more culturally unbiased. Let's mm. just say that. Right. Um, it has a, it has a very big uh, Ethiopian population there, uh, a, a moderate to big african-american population there and race relations um in minnesota are just a little bit more uh, diplomatic and a lot more um relaxed and ease it's more of a california feel in minnesota versus a down south feel that you may run into in iowa or a wisconsin just because of the the overall volume of of of, of uh, caucasian americans that live there and not necessarily any any wrongdoing on their part in my opinion at the end of the day is just it's a country that we all live in that we all been taught the same wrong history. So it's a lot of things that happen between our races that not necessarily is something that is conscious. It's a mm -hmm. subconscious thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure that coach in Iowa um, is probably not deep down in his body, really a racist, but the world that we live in here in America teaches racism from a very young age, subliminally, you know, we worship Christopher Columbus, and he is probably a bigger mass murderer than Hitler, right? He's killed more people than Hitler, the Jewish Holocaust altogether, right from his, his hand, and we get a day off of that. So this is the country that we live in. So a lot of the things that's happening now, Ron, is it's, it's a lot of subliminal things that's happening, just racism is systematic, bro. It's a it's a will that they, that they design to keep turning, whether um, the, the actual engine of itself is actually still working. So uh, man, I mean, I wish the, uh, a stream coach would have said something to us to give us a four million dollar settlement. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, kudos to those parents to, you know, stand strong. And, you know, I hope those kids are, you know, um, 
you know, it, it damage to the point where they, they have an anger in them that, that carries into their adult life. But again, I think some justice was served with the, with the payout. But like you said, that coach should be held at a higher standard. But again, you can only, you can only do what Roman's going to do when they in Rome. Yeah. And, and so for those that don't know the story, just Google it. Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, strength coach, you know, racism. You put those in, it'll stories will come up. I think one of them was like player was was not running fast or something. And I think he said something like either act like you're running from the cops or act like run like you stole something or something like it was just something where it, it was it was out of pocket. He probably didn't think it was bad, but that's the problem. If you don't think it's bad and you don't realize how bad you sound. That's and, and as a as a 19 year old kid at the time, you don't know how to fight back. You just kind of listen and you take it. And then as more players come up front, you know, come up and say something about it, then you know the mass number. Then it became like, yeah, we were all there. We all heard it. Okay, let's investigate this coach now. And then the head coach that go out, you know, his strength workouts. And we all know the head coaches aren't at the workouts. We definitely know that. Six a.m., five a.m. workouts. It's just the strength coach and the players. So, uh, granted, the head coach is not there because there's things that happen. Uh, that have nothing to do with racism. Just, you know, guys, you know, run into they throw up, blah, blah. Coaches never see that because they're like, look, man, I'm I'm just here for, for install and practice. So Kirk Ferentz, you know, like he is dealing with it. Uh, they did settle with the players, four million bucks. Uh, I'm not sure how much each player is going to get because I know the state of Iowa right now is on the hook for $2 million is what they're trying to say in the article. But we'll figure that out. Last one before we jump into the daily three, that's three questions, three minutes each. Myself, Sam and Karan are going to have a little fun with that. Uh, but But last one, man, like, you uh married an actress and so when you think about even that life man like marrying an actress uh you know that the the role life the movie set life uh like how did you kind of you know put yourself into that world to say you know what like we're both in this world we're both gonna make it work uh because a lot of times you see people finding a hard way to make that work when two people work as hard as you two do well, I, I'll say this first and foremost, you, you've been married now probably the same amount of time as I've been married. And I don't give a damn if your wife is in the same industry is, that you're in or she's in a whole different industry. She stays home. You stay home. It ain't easy for nobody to <laughs> cohabitate for, for as long as any of us do over time. So I think I think you got to start there and, and marry somebody who's first your friend and somebody who has a lot of the, the same things of worldview um that you have right i think that's what you know initially attracted terry and myself to each other yeah we met on a play doing a, doing what we both do now so that's not a coincidence um also i always believed in if i'm gonna be an athlete i need to hang around athletes if i'm gonna be a doctor i need to hang around doctors if i would be an actor by god you better hang around actors so what other better way to ensure that i was going to continue on the path i was supposed to continue <laughs> on by marrying into the culture of an actor of entertainment of all of it and just kind of stay the path you know what I'm saying i fell in love and you know she was like i said our worldviews were were more in line than just what we love to do with our talent mm -hmm. right i think that's what the biggest part of it is it's really comes down to us just really seeing the world very closely in the same way and we do have differences in how we see the world which uh, we have enough of those differences that continue us to have to force ourselves to grow and continue to mature together and figure things out as we go. So I just think it was really uh, came down to just, you know, it, it, it worked when it worked. And it just so happens that she was working in the same industry that I was moving into. And um, again, there's no coincidence there because I was intentionally pursuing my next step, my next mm -hmm. career. And that's when I met my wife in, in, in my intention of following my destiny the universe 
inserted her into my journey and and my and me into her journey. So there you have it. I guess I guess the lesson here is just always be intentional with all your movements and everything. Instead of things happening to you, things will happen for you. Yeah, well, we got Karan Riley, myself, and Sam. We're about to jump into the daily three. But remember, people, check out the Minnesota Football Party four days a week on Monday or from Monday to Thursday. Get your Vikings fix with Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom on Locked On Sports Minnesota. And also remember, you have to subscribe on YouTube as well. You can like, comment, and share. And of course, you're going to want to talk about these brackets coming up March 12th. We know it is Selection Sunday. We are going to give away our money. You're going to have a chance to beat our money. And we can win our own money back, people. If, if, our, if our brackets are better than yours, we can win our money back. Like, this is not just no free giveaway. You got to come with the you got to come with the flavor and know who to pick, who's going to win and get these brackets together. But, hey, if you win, we're going to hand over our money to you. So make sure you stick around for that. But coming up next, again, we got the Daily Three. Well, hey, we got me, Karan, and Sam. We're going to stick around and do the daily three. Of course, you know, that's three questions, three minutes each. We're going to give Karan most of the time because he's the guest. And then I'll pick up where he left off. So take it away, Sam. You got it. Um, I think you guys touched on this earlier in the interview, but let's go back to it. The 2000 Gophers, a season that you two shared together. Uh, Karan, I want a good story from that year. It could be good, could be bad, could be behind the scenes, could be on the field. Uh, I just want to hear about the 2000 Gophers from you. All right. Well, I guess um, the 2000 season for us, like I said earlier, it was that was the first time we came into a season with expectations to actually win something, you know, for a change. And I think the previous year we had made it to the bowl. I had 16 sacks the previous season. Um, Ron had an amazing sophomore campaign that year, the year before. And he came out and I mean, he really asserted himself as the as our go to offensive threat after that point. So we were both coming into that season with, I think that year I was actually uh, slotted to go like number two or three in the draft going into that season. I never forget. I came up to the facility and there was a bunch of reporters around like, Karan, the Streets and Smith article came out. You ranked to go number two after Michael Vick. And I'm like, what? Um, and it was, it was like, it was like managing those expectations personally. And then it was on top of managing our expectations as a team, right? We, we, we kind of started to fill ourselves and it was good. It was a good feeling to have. And I think it's a necessary feeling to have in order to win and do anything in life. So I think we had started kind of realizing like Ron and I, we had brought, we had brought kind of our culture from home and inserted that into the locker room because our high school, we didn't do, we didn't do a lot of losing in football from our high school. So for us, we were getting back to what we were used to. Right. And we were kind of infusing that Detroit energy into our locker room into our team and just that confidence. So we go into these expectations. Our whole thing was like, look, we can't get hurt. We got to get this thing going. And, um, I was getting double teamed every week. Ryan was starting to get double teamed every week. So now it was, it was really getting down to nut cutting time. And like you said, Penn State was having an amazing year that year. Wisconsin was in the hunt that year with Ron Dane. Um, it was a lot of folks that um that the Big Ten was 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 strong in that in that in that in those stretch of years. And, and mm -hmm. we were just so happy to be even mentioned in the conversation of the Big Ten. Because we both went to the Big Ten um, conference that year in Chicago before talking junk to Drew Brees and everybody like, yo, this you ain't normal gophers no more. Have you ever seen an angry gopher? I remember the, remember the campaign <laughs> came out. That was the year they came out with the campaign. Have you ever met an angry gopher? And I used to think it was hilarious, but it was fun. It was like hilarious. Like <laughs> an angry gopher about to go into Penn State and tear down a nitty lion. So it was, I'll never forget that game. Last story about that game is that when we finally um, – and they. Uh, we won. We we were up and and it was over. 
bruh, you could hear a pin drop or a rat pissing on cotton in, in, in Happy Valley. And we were mm. like, wow. And my dad was like, man, I thought I was going to need security to be escorted out of the out of the stadium. But they were real respectful. You know, Pitt, Happy Valley fans, they were really respectful. They gave us they, they basically they gave us a round of applause after we actually you know shook hands and was into the game. So I just think that year we we, we, we did exactly what we were supposed to do. We overachieved. Um, we probably lost a game or two that we shouldn't have lost. Um, prefer uh, expecting that that bowl game down in Miami. Um, we shouldn't have lost that game in North Carolina State. I stand by that. We were up 25 points at the halftime, and we somehow had a complete meltdown and lost that game. But, you know, I, if I saw Mace today, I'd tell him to his face, he sucked that coaching from a head. Like, he couldn't coach from a head. Like, if he was a head, he was the worst coach ever in history. But other than that, it is what it is. We had a great time. 2000 happened. We put Minnesota on the map permanently, and I'm, I'm always proud to see anytime I see him on TV with those dope uniforms and the stadium. It's like, yo, we did something good. Yeah, I'd say for uh for that year, like again, the 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 Phillip Rivers, we birthed him. Uh Phillip Rivers had a chance to come back from 24 points down and he did it. We beat us 31 to 30. Uh Phillip Rivers just talked about that the other day because that was one of his draft comments of his throwing angle was horrible. Uh, and his draft video when he was like what 21, he's like, Yeah, I hope it's not gonna be a problem. And of course, it wasn't a problem because the man could throw the ball like it was weird, but he threw the ball. It was like a shot put. Um, the other thing I remember, too, is uh, after beating Ohio State, we ended up having Rose Bowl T-shirts given to us. Like it had a rose on it, but it was maroon uh, to work out in like the next two weeks. And then, of course, we trick it off and lose to Indiana. So that that's that was just the Gophers. Like we found ways to trick off like a season. We were undefeated. We had beat Ohio State. All we had to do was beat Indiana and I think beat iowa or wisconsin not both just one or the other and we would have we didn't lose to iowa that whole time remember yeah, we I beat iowa four. but we didn't beat wisconsin yeah. but we would have been the rose bowl we would have been the rose bowl because we'd have been tied with wisconsin and we'd have been the last team to go so we would have exactly. went to the rose bowl and we tricked it off and lost to indiana so that's just that's just what the gophers did we found ways like like i think corral's right we didn't we didn't do well sometimes when we were ahead uh but what you got next sam yeah question number two in the daily three uh a little X's and O's here. So, Karan, you're a linebacker, kind of a pass rusher. Um, how much was pass coverage a part of your game back in the tooth, like in the year 2000, versus now linebackers expected to cover running backs, tight ends, wide receivers all the time? Uh, that's a great question because that that during that time, I, I witnessed the NFL and basically football starting to change with the advent of the, of the mobile quarterback, i.e. Michael Vick hit the league the that very next season. The NFL literally strong safeties became linebackers, linebackers, linebackers became defensive ends. The the traditional Terry, um, Tony Saragusas of the world became extinct or went to the offensive line where they, you know, where they belong. And everything, the game of the NFL literally got, literally got faster that year so even even my senior year in college i started dropping into coverage more because they were double teaming me right so now i started becoming a decoy and uh my partner greg white was became more of the the the, the hit of the knife or hit of the spear if you if you will uh for our pass rush my senior year because of the double teams i was garnering so coach gibbs would always drop me in the coverage a lot more which started getting me used to dropping in the coverage. so when i got to the nfl and i had to transition to linebacker it wasn't foreign because again I came into the league right on the cusp of the league changing and it kind of confused my trajectory in the league because 
when I got there, they hadn't really understood what to do with my position yet, be it being a hybrid, a guy who was strong, big enough to be a D lineman, but he's really fast enough to be a linebacker as well. And they really didn't know where to put me yet. But when Mike Vick finished playing that first year, all of us played together, they figured it out like, okay, everybody has to get faster or we're not going to be able to compete. So then the very next year, I became a valuable commodity because now they're looking for guys like me. Up until that point, I was just a confusion a confusion for a defensive coordinator because they didn't really know exactly where to put me at exactly yet. But, you know, my, my D-line coach in Chicago told me to, very famously the year after I was drafted, it was like, yo, Karan, if you came out this year, brother, you would have been a very rich man because now we need guys like you. And I said, well, coach, all due respect, I should have still been a very rich man because even to this day, I got to put it on media to let it be known. I still ain't seen no dang on first round draft pick defensive ends with the numbers I've had in the last 20 years, period. I still should have been a number two draft pick back then, but it's probably my mouth and my attitude that probably didn't that probably stop it there because they knew that they gave K Boog that kind of power. I might have damn had a damn a walkout of the NFL. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll say about the linebacker coverage uh, compared to then and now, uh, nowadays they're asked to do a lot more. But I think we had Aiken on, who was the drafted, you know, linebacker slash DN hybrid. The year after Karan, uh, he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think in the third round. He was or second round. He was on our show, a friend of ours. Um, and so Aiken said the same thing. Like nowadays, linebackers are asked to cover. I mean, you look at Fred Warner in that Tampa two having to go all the way back. You look at uh Daniil Hunter, which he looks lost sometimes, but uh acts to cover, you know, a couple times here and there. So it has changed. The game's changed, it's getting a little bit more aggressive, but it's all about putting pressure on the quarterback. So I think that's why it changed a little bit from 2000 to now. Uh, what you got next, Sam? Yep, last one. Uh, you mentioned Michael Vick, Karan. I got to go to 2002. Michael Vick, I think, set the single-game rushing record for a quarterback in Minnesota at the Metrodome that year. Uh, were you a part of that game? What do you remember from that that uh, performance by Vick? Yeah, that was um, that was crazy. That was my first time returning to Minnesota as a professional football player, too, as well. So that was exciting for me. But I remember that game very, very um, – very precise. I had just got to Atlanta from Chicago about about two, two or three weeks before that. So I wasn't playing yet. I hadn't learned a new playbook. And that's when they had already transitioned me to linebacker at that point. Um, so I was actually had the best seats in the house watching. Um, I was uh, inactive that day. But I remember precisely when he ran through the two linebackers so fast in overtime and they clashed and hit each other. Yeah. And everybody was sideline was like, yo, did that just really just happen? Because it, we from that year, all, every year I played with Vic, it was always amazing stories about the stuff he would do in practice, right? You'll see the stuff he did in the games was not comparable to some of the throws he would do in practice and some of the things you'd be like, man, this, this is out of control. But that was like one of the, that season, he started doing the Superman stuff like in the games. Like when he did that and split the defenders – I mean, we were like, oh, man, they about to kill him. And all of a sudden, he had another gear. And all of a sudden, they smashed, and he went straight into the locker room. We were all like, what just happened? What just happened? And then we just like, let's just go to the locker room, too. So we all just <laughs> ran out before they, you know, threw a red flag or something, tried to challenge something. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing, man. I never forget the atmosphere in the, in the, in the, in the Metrodome that day. It was, it, was, it was electric, man. Every time Michael Vick played, it was much-watched football just because you never knew what what he was going to do, and, and and if he was healthy, we always had a chance to win. So that was the that was the chip we had on our shoulder that year because it's like, yo, if number seven good, we got a chance, and uh, mm-hmm. that's what we always felt like, and that's why we had that year. We had a great season that year because of that attitude we had at the team. You know, we, if number seven was healthy, 
let him put his cape on and we 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 join in as this assistant pimps you know what i'm saying that's what it was <laughs> yeah i definitely remember seeing that uh michael vick thing on tv we had played them in the preseason uh you know i think we played them twice no we played them in preseason that year in my rookie year and so i remember uh yeah that like he i knew he was gonna be what he was and so when that happened against minnesota i'm like yeah there's it, it wasn't anything that threw me off with that that guy was amazing uh i'm just glad we didn't have to face him being in the afc um because that was a that was a tough quarterback to deal with but i want to thank karan for joining me on the ron johnson show karan usually before we get out of here i let the guests uh write a letter to their younger self or give themselves like five or ten like if you had 10 15 seconds to run into yourself in the past and you can go back to 15 year old karan 22 year old karan eight year old karan what would you tell yourself i would simply tell him man hey Keep shades on, baby, because your future's so bright, you're going to need them. And keep peddling. Everything you seeing is coming to, is coming. Hey, and you're going to, and you're going to even, believe it or not, you're going to get more handsome as you get older. <laughs> oh, man, the true Karan fashion, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. I love you, man. Thanks for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show today. Uh, remember, people, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota Uh podcast feed on youtube where you can find all of our videos all of our shows you can see karan's handsome face as he tells you uh but make sure every game we will have a podcast after the vikings press conferences every time a player's traded every time he's cut every time he's released when brian flores joined of course we're going to have the vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news just like our videos and leave your thoughts in the comment section below i want to thank you and have a great day